0: Welcome to the Robot Podcast. I'm Fran Scott, maker, demonstration developer, and massive engineering fan. Every week, my guests and I will be exploring the exciting stories of how robots can, will, and are impacting our everyday life. From sorting food to cleaning our hospitals, from manufacturing cars to creating sustainable buildings, robots are pushing the boundaries to meet the demands and challenges of a changing world. And as technology improves, it is becoming easier for robots to adapt and perform multiple tasks that, behind the scenes, offer huge societal benefits. It's all about flexibility and simplicity. It might sound like something from science fiction, but robots are transforming the field of medicine, we're not talking about robots performing unsupervised surgery, but what they are helping to do is relieve medical staff from the routine tasks so the humans can focus their attention to the more pressing responsibilities. Last week, we met the collaborative robots, the cobots, that are lending a hand to so many industries. And they are also playing a huge part in healthcare. This week, we'll find out exactly what that helping hand looks like. And we'll do this all with help from our guests. Please welcome Chema Kalados, ABB Robotics Healthcare Global Solutions Line Manager. Hi,
1: Fran. Thanks for having me.
0: Hello. And Dr. Robin R. Murphy, Raytheon Professor of Computer Science and Engineering at Texas
2: A&M. Howdy from College Station, Texas.
0: Oh, I love a good howdy. So, we, we met ABB's newest cobots in the last episode. But, Chema, can you give us a bit of a refresher? What exactly is a cobot?
1: A cobot is a robot that has been designed to work uh, together with people. It means that we can have, for example, a robot sitting on a tabletop working together with one person, and they are working maybe on the same process. And the cobot will take the repetitive tasks that need to be done very accurately, while the person might take the tasks that require more creativity and decision-making. This is a technology that was not existing some years ago. When we combine this technology with other newer technology like advanced vision system, machine learning, or mobility, or mobile robotics, it means that we can open the door to completely new applications, like, for example, robots serving patients and moving alongside a hospital.
0: When did we first start seeing the cobots used in healthcare?
2: We started seeing robots being used in healthcare back in the 1980s, believe it or not. And it was the Helpmate robot, and it was introduced. It was a big cart. So have you ever seen the TV series, The Americans with a Big lumbering male robot that is actually in a couple of episodes It's being used for espionage. But those big clunky things, but they were, they were being used for meal and drug delivery. And they've been around forever.
0: 2020 was obviously an interesting year. And so with these exciting applications of Cobots, Robin, there may be something that's related to COVID or not. What would you pick as your most exciting application of Cobots?
2: We've been tracking how robots have been used for the COVID pandemic as part of our research on how robots are used for disasters. And we've looked at 34 countries where we've seen over 300 different instances of how robots are being used and over a hundred of those instances are for clinical care in hospitals. And when you think about Cobots and collaboration, it's fascinating because, Out of those 100 or so instances, the majority are for two types of collaboration. One is for cleaning and disinfection, where you have these UVC light robots come in, they zap the area, but they can't get everywhere. They're very thorough what they get better than a human, but then the human comes in and catches the rails and a few little wipey places that they need to do and moves on. The second largest use is for telemedicine. So now it's the doctors, the nurses, the attendants are using the robot as kind of a form of personal protective equipment. They can check out a person without knowing if they've got COVID or not, so they don't have to wear PPE, waste all that PPE, or be exposed. Hey, can you please pick up the thermometer? Take, Take your reading. Can you please do this? Can you do the nose swab this way? And they can also take care of people for routine things like going in their rooms and checking on them without waking them up, but saving actually suiting up in PPE and risking exposure for the more compassionate care. So, what a nice way of having people work together to get a job done.
0: Robin, why do we need cobots in healthcare?
2: I think having cobots is essential. Our studies are indicating about half of the uses are things where you're helping a healthcare professional do their job safely or better or to be able to delegate. So the other half of those are the delegation, like the meal dispensing and drug dispensing, things that you wouldn't really want to do. And you don't want to spend 45 minutes cleaning a room, you know, having the robot do it and then wipe it down quickly in five minutes is a better use of your time. So we're, we're seeing that this collaboration is really important and the way of the world, that we're not going to replace doctors. We're not going to replace nurses. We're trying to make their time better used for compassionate care and the things they're trained for, the things they want to do.
0: Makes sense. And we're not going to replace cleaners either. You know, there is still, it's all about that collaboration. It's, it's about the robots and the humans working together to make the job done more efficiently.
2: Yes. And you're not replacing cleaners. And even more importantly, when something like a surge from a pandemic happens, you can't get enough people and they can't work 24-7 to clean the rooms and to keep all this. So you need robots there that you can have work 24-7 and can, can help take care of that surge. So break
0: it down for me, you two. What sort of tasks can a robot help with? Over to you, Gemma.
1: Yes, well, we always talk about the dull. The dirty and dangerous tasks that typically fit very well for automation and fit very well to robots but let's look into some examples so adult process can be the resistation of samples in a medical lab it's a very repetitive task that maybe need to perform hundreds of thousands of times per year in any medical lab in any given hospital but at the same time it's very important we cannot lose patient samples we cannot lose track of this same with the personalized medicine we need to perform or prepare drug for a given patient it's very important that the, this is done accurately and that we have traceability, that we are able to understand what has been done and that will help the treatment of this person dirty if we are managing patient samples that can have virus or can have a certain hazard, it's a task that for sure can be taken over by robots. And dangerous, imagine that we need to enter in a room where there is also a hazard so robots can take over, can deliver food to patients, can clean. And this is what we are seeing in some of the applications that are rising these days.
0: And that's the key. It's the the dull dirty, dangerous, basically taking away those tasks that humans shouldn't do or may cause injury if they do do, taking them away and giving them to these cobots. And Robin, are there any other tasks that the robots could do that spring to mind?
2: We're seeing an entire breed of tasks that are not really in the dull, dirty, or dangerous, unless talking with your grandmother is considered dull, dirty, or dangerous, because one of the most innovative tasks have been the use of robots to enable families to talk with patients, with their loved ones in the hospitals. We're seeing robots that work with telepresence, okay? That's where a person is in the, what we say, in the loop, they're controlling it, they're using it as an extension of themselves. Italy did a fantastic job of pioneering how to use low cost robots. And why would you use a robot instead of giving grandma a a laptop or a tablet? Well, you know, instead of having a laptop or tablet, the robot can come in, the family can look around the room. Now they can control and they can kind of make eye contact. So they get that better feel of, being there, being situated, and they can also bring things in. In some cases, you've had the nurses with the, put a table on the robot and let them bring in flowers or a book, you know, so you're really adding to that experience. And so again, that collaboration between the family that's controlling the robot and the collaboration of the robot with the patient.
0: So what do these robots look like? They're they're telepresence robots, right? Do Do they have a sort of human form?
2: Some of the telepresence robots have human forms, and those weren't used as much. They tend to be very specialized and very expensive. The Italians came up with a way of taking a Roomba, right, you know, the little robot disc vacuum cleaner, putting a tripod on it, and then putting a tablet, as large a tablet computer as they could find, on top of that and making that very cheap. All that was open source so people could download it. And then the software to control it to make that easy to be used. So basically, it looks like an iPad on a stick on top of a a Roomba, but it works.
0: The healthcare sector is undergoing a huge change, not only because of the advances in the diagnosis and treatment of diseases, but also because of the ageing populations, the increasing costs, and a growing worldwide shortage of medical staff. Joining us is Dr. Tom Luby, Director of TMC Innovation. TMC, if you don't know, is Texas Medical Center. And together with ABB, they're getting quite creative, when it comes to robotics in healthcare. So, Tom, what does TMC Innovation Institute actually work on?
3: Hi, Fran. TMC Innovation is really focused on growing healthcare startup density um, here in Houston, Texas. So we work with our partners like ABB to identify areas where we can bring new technology, new innovative approaches to bear against some of the greatest healthcare challenges in the world today. One of the things that we've all seen around the world and especially sort of highlighted with the pandemic is the cost of healthcare and access to healthcare. More and more people aging, more and more people especially in years like this being sick driving up costs. And how do you pay for that and, you know, be equitable in terms of how people get access to healthcare?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That is a big challenge. Now, what is a big project that TMC are working on at this very moment?
3: Yeah. So we've collaborated with ABB Robotics. They they have set up their first foray into thinking about how robotic technology, which they are world leaders in, service robots, could be applied in the hospital setting. So is there an opportunity to use a robot to more efficiently manage the sample processing that goes into the diagnosis of of patients. So a person comes in the hospital, all of us have had the experience of getting blood taken, blood gets sent to the clinical pathology lab for a number of tests to be run. In that chain, there's a number of opportunities where robotics, because of their high efficiency, robots work can work 24-7, and their high accuracy, they don't make mistakes, could be used to create faster sample flow, higher quality results and quicker turnarounds in terms of getting the results back to the physicians. And they can make the diagnosis, make a decision whether the person needs to stay in the hospital or could go home.
0: So basically, it's this continuous sampling that can be done by a technician. But because it's repetitive work and causes strain and human error, what you're saying is actually those type of tasks, they can be done by robots and are being done by robots.
3: We are piloting that with with ABB, yes. There's not only the human error, but there's also lack of humans to do it, right? Appropriately trained people are in short supply. And so we, we think that for these repetitive tasks... There's an opportunity for the robots to take those on and allow for these trained professionals to focus on other technologies and techniques that they're working on.
0: So these are blood samples, right? Talk me through the process a bit. Say I was ill and I didn't quite know what was wrong with me and I went into hospital I would get my blood taken by a human?
3: You would, yeah. There isn't an expectation that robots would be in the patient's rooms. What's called a phlebotomist would come and take blood samples, put them in a glass, small glass that they use to collect the blood sample. Those are sent to the pathology lab where the robot would begin to sort the samples and then process them. And processing them means that you have to be able to isolate the different components of blood in order to run the right tests on those. You can then test the different parts of the sample for whatever tests the physician has asked for. In that process of receiving, prepping, testing, and then uh, communicating results, It's a combination of some human effort and some robot effort right now. And really, it's in the kind of the middle of that stream, the sample preparation, where the focus is to use robotic technology to increase efficiency and productivity.
0: And what sort of impact has this had on the hospital? Has it allowed them to do them quickly, more efficiently, saved costs?
3: So it has done all three of those. So, you know, as the, as the samples come in, the robot can handle usually many more than an individual person can. So you get efficiencies from that. Additionally, the robot does it in a very specific way each time. So that reduces the overall error. And then because of the sample processing amount and the speed, you can turn more samples over.
0: So this is new stuff. This is really new.
3: Yeah, it's, it's, it's really new here at Texas Medical Center. This is not something that's been done before. And it's a great intersection of ABB's knowledge about how to use service robots to run these repetitive processes, along with the healthcare experts who run these clinical pathology labs. And they know where there's opportunities to, to combine the two to create this more efficient, more effective process.
0: There are so many things that it seems robots and cobots can do. So is there anything that is still in the realm of impossibility,
2: Robin? You know, it's really hard to say what's impossible. I think certainly when we think about healthcare, automating any type of physically invasive procedure is really hard and really challenging you know, to duplicate the skills of a surgeon and also the high risk. But I don't think it's impossible, it's just hard. But you know, I think another way to frame the question is what is the future? And the future is thinking of robots as being more collaborative, as being easier to delegate to instead of having to program or click lots of clicks, you can just tell it what you want. And easier if you're doing telepresence to work through and have it move around. And I think, you know, the better computer vision, manipulation, picking things up, going to the inventory room, knowing what a particular tool looks like or type of medicine and being able to bring it back without having to explain that excruciating detail. So I think that's where it's not impossible. It's possible. And I hope we get there sooner rather than later.
0: But what you were saying there about the decision making, obviously, it's a really fine line between what we give, let's say, to robots and what the humans still need to take ownership of. Because obviously, you know, medical staff can't go to a family and say, well, we made this decision because the algorithm told us to. And that is going to be such a, a fine line to be able to juggle around, isn't it, Chemma?
1: Absolutely. And this is one main reason why the collaboration between different expertise is so important. So we need to understand How can we help? So today we have been talking about many supporting activities, but what if the robots would be part of the medical process itself? We need to choose the right cases, but also we need to follow the regulation in every every country. For example, if we take the U.S., FDA has a very clear classification for medical devices, so that are required to follow very strict quality process to implement medical devices that need to take into account, for example, Risk management, and in some cases, in the case of the higher risk devices, also a pre-market approval. So before taking anything to a patient room or or to a hospital, it would need to be approved by FDA. on this level.
0: So what you're saying is the approval process is very very strict for that for that reason, and also that collaboration is just so important that we're using the the medical staff's knowledge, and it's not sort of us and them, but it's them together, so humans with the robots.
1: Exactly. So the use case, it needs to be clearly defined and all the technology should be able to prove that it's really supporting this use case.
0: And how many hospitals have turned to using these robots? Robin, How, how where are they in the hospitals? Who has these?
2: You know, we, we actually don't know for sure, but the press reports are indicating that well over a hundred different uses of robots in hospitals in 34 countries. And we're seeing a really increased demand for robots that already existed, for disinfecting robots, telemedicine robots, and delivery robots. But now the hospitals are like, oops, wish we had them. Can we get them now? And so the real test is going to be whether they're going to keep these robots and keep using them afterwards because they make economic sense or not. So we're fingers crossed that they will.
0: And does that match your figures, Chema?
1: Yeah, well, we are seeing a stronger adoption of uh, robots inside medical devices. So the advantage with robots against linear systems is that they are very flexible. They have a stronger electricity while they are more and more affordable. We are seeing a strong adoption driven by the medical device manufacturers, but also hospitals requiring uh, new applications.
0: And Robin, you have got expertise that extends well outside of the healthcare system. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
2: So my specialty is disaster robotics, how robots can be used. It's one of the projects that we've been working on since literally 2001, since the 9-11 uh, World Trade Center, is getting a small attachment to a robot to get down to a trapped victim that with a, an iPhone or, or Android would pop up and then you could... They, uh, The doctors, the the rescue professionals could see you, but you could see your family. You could see them. We could play TV shows or music to keep you company while they're waiting for the rescuers to extract you. Because if we find you, when we find, typically the numbers look like if they find somebody in a collapsed building, it's going to take about 10 hours to safely get all that rubble off of them. And so what do we do in that, that 10 hours? You know, and, and so how can we help your frame of mind? And this is one way to do it. So that, but the ability to have a little head that moves around and can look at you and can nod up and down, yes and no, in sync with the person who's also doing their head up and down and no, just really adds to, to the experience. And that's what the, the human factor studies are showing.
0: So talking about the future, what do you two really want to see cobots being used for in hospitals? Robin, you go first.
2: What I want to see cobots being used in healthcare and hospitals and for disasters in general is really to explore, expand on this idea of telemedicine, particularly where you're no longer having a nurse or doctor work with a patient through telemedicine in the hospital, but now being able to work with a patient in their home, in a rural area of the country, are in a collapsed building while the rescuers are trying to dig them out so that it's no longer hospitals are the point of care. The point of injury is the point of care. So I think that's really important. Completely, completely. And you, Chemma?
1: Absolutely. I think in the future, in the hospitals, but also in, in, in many environments, we will see robots and people working together. And this can happen, as Robin was saying, in, in a hospital. But we will see the robots also supporting patients from home. So supporting rehabilitation, mobility, and, and this has happened. Also, we will see robots that will be smarter, so connected to other systems, like, for example, uh, performing research, giving them a task and, and being able to take decisions and to accelerate not only in the care, but also in, in research.
2: One of the things we found during the pandemic is everybody said, oh, robots for, for hospitals, which is clinical care. But we also saw the use of robots for other parts of healthcare, like laboratory automation and, and taking care of people in assisted living or in quarantine camps, but also public health and public safety groups doing things like using drones to see where people were congregating and violating you know, outdoor group socialization laws and things like that. So there's so many aspects to this. That we can use robots for. And it was, it's it's hard to say COVID was exciting, but as a roboticist, it was exciting to see the breadth of uses and the creativity that people apply to robots and how they are looking at using it, be it large corporations, hospitals, small companies, and individuals of using these technologies.
0: And, and that is what COVID did, you know, for all of the horrible stuff that came with COVID. It did drive innovation.
1: Absolutely it did. And it was, uh, has been very tough, but I think we have learned a lot and it has been also very interesting and we can reflect. on the first issue that we had was to keep the world turning Also, it has been a a challenge for the hospitals. The first reaction when everything started, we really tried to understand how we can help. And there has been such a terrible crisis. And the first effort from the hospital was to stabilize the, the situation, to treat the patients, to keep the quality and to save lives. But now we are seeing with some time we are reflecting on how can we improve, how can we do better, how, how can we take to automate also some processes to ensure uh, care. And I believe we are seeing a lot of innovation now around healthcare and robotics.
0: Robin, what do you think could be done for hospitals to adopt robots even more?
2: You know, I don't think it's what the hospitals have to do. I think we have to go back to this whole word of cobot of collaborating robots and bump it up a level and say, wait a minute, the collaboration that we should be focusing on isn't necessarily just between the human and the robot. It's between the roboticist and the end users, the stakeholders, that the collaboration, the best cobot is one that represents the collaboration between the people designing the robots and the people who are going to use that. And that really makes a true collaborative robot.
1: And I would say what is absolutely key if we are starting with new applications to prove that they have value, to prove that they improve the current process. So every step we take is a step forward.
0: That is it for this week. And a massive thank you to Chema Calados, Dr. Robin R. Murphy, and Dr. Tom Luby. Next time, we'll be talking into the robots used in the food and beverage industry. Why not drop us a review on Apple Podcasts? And don't forget to subscribe to the Robot Podcast so you never miss an episode. I'm Fran Scott, and this has been a Fresh Air production for ABB. Part of the ABB Decoded series.